This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Now, here's the thing what I love about Paul, and this, this is pretty much the application I can see for us this morning. Paul was flexible. I like that word, flexible. He was flexible for the sake of the gospel. He didn't go against any doctrine. He didn't go against his beliefs or the belief in salvation and justification by faith. But Paul was flexible. And I love, you know, Pastor Chuck, he used to always say about those who are flexible. And this is a Chuckism that I really love. And this is what he says. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. Paul was not a people pleaser. He lived to bring glory to God and lead others to Christ. He was a Gentile to the Gentiles and a Jew to the Jew. But as Pastor Eddie clarifies in today's message, he never went so far as to compromise his faith in Christ. He respected people's customs and even participated in some for the sake of finding unity with them. He knew that it wasn't about rules and regulations. It was about Christ. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie for today's edition of Running the Race. sure he loved he loved the lord he loved paul said hey let's do this and so he had to get a little surgery just to continue now if paul was against the 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 customs of the laws of moses and especially the particular this one circumcision why would he tell timothy to do it he's not why did he tell timothy to do it because he became all things to all men he did it for the sake of the gospel if Paul was against the laws of ministry, uh, the laws of Moses, then why did Paul take the Nazarite vow? Remember chapter 18. He remember he shaved his head. He let his head grow. He, didn't, he, he, took, he shaved his head. Why would Paul do that? And you think this is a, cha- this is a man who's a champion of grace. This is a man who's uh, uh, talked all about grace. But see, Paul knew he did it because he, these, these symbols and these things meant something to him, but he never pushed it on anyone. Know that he knows that none of these things are, are, are needed for salvation. Paul knew that none of these works of the old covenant in Judaism is needed for salvation. That's one thing clear. And so Paul knew that um, all the work was done by who? Jesus has done the work. We're not saved by works. What did he say uh, to the church of Ephesus? Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. He said, for by grace you have been saved. Through faith, you've been saved by grace and by faith in Christ, not of yourself. And nothing you've done has made you uh, right with God. It's, it is a gift of God, not of works. There it is. So all those rituals and religious practices and, and all those little ceremonies, you can't be saved by that. Not of worse works, lest anyone should boast. The only one should be boasting about the fact that you came to the cross is all of heaven, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all the angels and all the saints that are rejoicing because you have come to the cross. So they continue to tell Paul, uh, the, the, the apostles there at the church of Jerusalem, they said, this is the rumor. This is the rumor. We know that's not you. And then it says in verse 22, what then? The assembly must certainly meet 
for they will hear that you have come. In other words, they say, listen, Paul, we have to continue to meet. We have to continue to have fellowship. We have to continue to have a Bible study. Um, and, but Paul, they know that you're here. They know that you're a part of us. They know that you're of the way. So what are we going to do? So here's their counsel. Here's their counsel from the, from the uh, apostles of the church. In verse 23, they said, Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. What vow is this? This is the Nazarite vow. The Nazarite vow, if you want to study more about the Nazarite vow, Numbers chapter 6 for you students. Read it at home. Numbers chapter 6. If they were to take a Nazarite vow, they had to let their hair grow long. They have to let their hair grow long. They, they, they drank no wine. They couldn't drink wine. They ate no grapes or no raisins. They didn't touch anything. They couldn't touch anything that was dead. And they had to devote themselves for a period of time uh, in dedication to the Lord. Once that's done, for 30 days, at the end of the vow, they would go to the temple Spent seven days there worshiping the Lord. They would cut their hair, burn it, and give offerings and sacrifice unto the Lord. That was the Nazarite vow. This is exactly what Paul did in chapter 18. So if he was against the the, the laws of Moses, why did he do these things? Why? We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing. Do this so they can know that you're not a part of this. Now, some people may say, well, you know, that's like trying to please men. No, because Paul actually took the vow himself. And this to show them that, hey, you know what? I'm at peace with you guys. There's nothing wrong with that. Plus, he's going to bless these four men. And he says, but that you yourself also will work orderly and keep the law. And so now, taking the, the Nazarite vow was a costly vow. Let's put it that way. It was, it was very costly. Um, the people that would take the vow, they would have to miss work because they have to separate themselves. They needed them. And, you know, they're not making money for the time they're off taking the vow. Plus, on top of that, what they have to do. They have to pay for the sacrifice, whether it be a lamb, a ram, and other offerings. Now, here's the thing. This is why they're asking Paul to do this. Paul, these four men, they've taken a vow. Pay for them. It was customary in those days. It was customary in those days that if there was a wealthy man or one who was well off, and they saw that there were people taking this vow, they want to help. You know what? I want to support what you're doing, and I want to pay for your, here's the money for the offering so you could complete the vow. That was customary. If they were well off, they would help those who weren't well off because, you know, they wanted them to complete the vow. And so what Paul is doing was very customary in those days. Now, here's the thing what I love about Paul. And this, this is pretty much the application I could see for us this morning. Paul was flexible. I like that word flexible. He was flexible for the sake of the gospel. He didn't go against any doctrine. He didn't go against his beliefs or the belief in salvation and justification by faith. But Paul was flexible. And I love, you know, Pastor Chuck, he used to always say about those who are flexible. And this is a Chuckism that I really love. And this is what he says. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. 
Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. You know that. I've seen people like that. They were so legalistic. They're so uptight. It's like, mm, you know, it's like oh, any little thing is like, wow, it's, you know, it's hell now. <laughs> you know, because they're so emotionally involved in legalism. But they weren't flexible. Even though it has nothing to do with them. They're not the one going to be judging people. It's the Lord. And when, the way people live their lives is for the Lord. But I love that. As a matter of fact, I shared that with a coworker of mine. And she loved that. She wasn't saved. I was one of the people that would minister at work. And she loved it so much that she actually went to the computer, typed it up really big in bold letters, the quote. And she even put Chuck Smith. She's not a believer. And she posted it right by her desk right there. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. Now, we know Paul. Paul was flexible. If anybody was more flexible, it's Paul. And this is where a lot of people who are legalistic or racist or those who are uh, trying to uh, convert people into their beliefs. This is what I love about Paul. Paul was a, a Gentile. He knew how to be a Gentile. He was a Gentile to the Gentile. He was a Jew to the Jew. That's, what it, that's why he was able to minister so effectively to the Gentiles. Because he knew, he understood the theology. He understood the word of God. And he was, when he was with the Gentiles, he knew how to act. When he was with the Jews, he knew how to act. But he didn't contradict his belief in Jesus Christ, who is the Mashiach, the Messiah. He wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 22. This is what he wrote. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew. Here's why. That I might win Jews to those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law to those who are without the law as without the law. Not being without the Lord towards God, but under the law towards Christ. That I may win those who are without the law to the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And so he's saying, when, you know, in other words, when, when, when Paul, to the Jew, when he was with the Jews, he had no problem. Hey, matzo ball soup, love it. Come on, guys, let's have a feast. You know, he's not going to whip out a cheeseburger. Hey, guys, guess, guess what? I, I discovered this new meal in Gentile land in Galatia. I went to a five and guys burger and fries over there. And you got to try this cheeseburger. <gasps> cheeseburger? He's not going to do that. When he's with the Jews... It's matzah. That's what it is. When he's with the Gentiles, he doesn't say, hey, guys, what are you eating there? Shredded pork sandwich? No. You know, that's a sin. That's unclean. You shouldn't do that. Now, the Gentiles say, listen, are you kidding me? I'm having my cheeseburger. I'm having my bacon with my eggs, okay? You see, Paul never put a trip on anyone. He knew it, it was totally, totally irrelevant. It's not about food. It's not about rituals. It's not about rules and, 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 and you know, legalism and all these laws. It's about Jesus. That's all Paul cared about. Now, Paul, know, he knew very well not to offend. Now, turn with me, if you will. Uh, this is why I want you to turn, because I want you to remember this verse. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. If you have the church Bible, it's page 1307, Romans chapter 14. In Romans chapter 14, let's look at the 13th verse. 
This is what Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. Let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Let us not judge one another, whether you eat cheeseburgers or you have matzo soup, matzo bowl soup. Let us not judge one another in these things. And let us not put a stumbling block so as to bring a division between us, between your brother, because it's useless. He says, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. Here's who is unclean to, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. If you consider it unclean for you, then it's unclean for you. Don't put it on someone else. Don't say you shouldn't eat pork. Well, you know, it's a, you know, God's diet, you know. Don't eat shellfish. Don't eat, you know, seafood, you know. Because there is a dietary uh, 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 foods that where they're non-kosher. I believe those things are healthy. There's a reason why the Lord did But it's not to say that it's all you can't have those things. It's unhealthy to eat cake. And I try to do the, go the healthy route when I eat cake sometimes. I kind of carry cake. Like they eat boom, boom. Okay, anyway. You see, I try not to, you know, put it on something. But anyway, if it's unclean for someone, it's unclean. And we need to understand that. Let us not judge one another. Let us not judge one another. In verse 15, he says, if, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, here it is. If someone is aggrieved or offended by your food, you are no longer walking in love. You know that person, to them, is an offense to have a cheeseburger. Don't eat it in front of them. You know that bothers them. Don't, don't eat in front of them. They don't like raw, you know, clams. You know, that's a, whatever reason. Don't do it because they're weak. You know, they're weak. If they're weak, don't do it. Don't offend your brother. Let's put it this way. There's a lot of, you know, Messianic believers, Jews who believe in Jesus Christ, a lot. We just don't, we just don't, don't know it. We don't mention enough. But there are some of them who still don't want to, uh, they don't want to eat, you know, you know uh, lobster and shrimp. That, that's fine. I think, you know, there's, a, there's good reasons for it. But they don't, you know, I'm not going to have, you know, take them out to Red Lobster. Because I know it's going to say, hey, how you doing, brother? You know, you know these, these are the things. I remember one time we were invited years ago. We were invited to Yom Kippur at, a, a, you know, Jewish, you know, believers. It was really, really good. Cool, because they, they believe in Jesus, Yeshua, and they just celebrate that. We want to be a part of it just to see the culture in those days. And we were, you know, we didn't want to go empty-handed. So, you know, we wanted to bring something. You know, we would bring a cake. Now, I was a cake guy. I'm still a cake guy. But we were thinking of bringing a cake, and we almost brought in a German chocolate cake. Now, I mean, some of you didn't get that. German, you know, we don't want to bring that past, you know, the Holocaust and things like that. I said, you know what? Let's just bring, find out what's kosher. It causes to try to get something that was kosher, you know, whatever. But you want to be careful not to offend them or to, or to, um, bring anything in the past. So, and he says, you are no longer walking in love. If you do that, you're not walking in love because if you love your brother, whether he's a Jewish believer or, uh, or non-Gentile believer, whether they have certain you know, practices or laws, you know, and you know it's offensive, don't do it. If you love him, don't do it. He says, he, I like what he says when he ends, do not destroy with your food 
the one whom Christ died. Don't destroy that relationship because of a cheeseburger. Don't destroy that because somebody, they don't find anything wrong with drinking alcohol. Now, you know, I've been to so many uh, things where, you know, people are Christians, they're believers, and they drink. I'm not going to say, oh, wait a minute, in church you were worshiping the Lord, and here you are with a bottle of beer and liquor. Oh, i got to leave, I can't be here. No. You know, it's between you and the Lord. The Lord will tell you if it's a sin. But I tell you, if you're a leader, it is a sin. Just take it from me. Not just kidding. As a pastor, I know I can't do that. I really care less. I'm not saying, man, as a pastor, I can't be a wine bibber. You know, as a pastor, I know I can't do it. Um, but let's put it if I can. I don't want to do it. You know, there's so much alcohol that does more damage than anything. You know, the Bible says don't get drunk. And how do you get drunk? By liquor. You understand? There are people who just don't know how to drink. They don't know. And I was raised where, you know, where, you know, my, my father used to own a club before, you know, a hardware store. He had both at one time. And as a little kid, I just didn't like the smell. And I saw so many fights and so many things. I said, you know what? Now you're saying, what is a young kid doing in the club, right? I always wanted to be with my father. And it was only like during the day when he did the cleaning. But some people would come up, you know. And in those days, it weren't strict. But I wasn't drinking, trust me, my father allowed. But anyhow, I did, just didn't like the history of it. I had an uncle who died at a you know, DUI. You know, he crashed. He, he, it's just so much. I just don't, I don't need it. Paul said all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. That's what he, in other words, all things are not really a sin, but here's the question, what can you profit from it? I had a 16-year-old boy came up to me, and he said, listen, in two years, I want to get a tattoo. My mother said, I'm not going to get a tattoo until I'm out of the house. What do you say, Pastor? Because I know you say tattoos are not a sin. It's not a sin. It's not a sin. But it is a sin to dishonor your parents, and you're still under your submission, your parents. When you can vote, pay the bills, <laughs> then you can make your own decisions. But because you love your mother and you honor your mother, why don't you not do it? Is your mother more important to you than a tattoo? So you see, this is, this is the way, this is the heart, this is the way we so we ought to look at it. This is what Paul teaches, but this is what divides us. This is what divides even the Jews and the Gentiles in those days. Separation, because we have these customs, we have these rituals that mean something to us, but it doesn't mean anything to the other person. To the other person, this means it is important, but it doesn't mean anything to you. And we need to stop judging. This is where he puts it. This is why I want you to open up this page in this text to market in your Bibles. Mark it in your Bibles so you know this is something, study, meditate on it, so you would not be an offense to your brother, nor you will let anybody be an offense to you. Now, if you love your brother, you wouldn't do these things because, hey, you know what? You're no longer walking in love. Paul doesn't want to offend anybody and be the stumbling block. Now, remember, Paul was one of those guys who wanted to bring the Gentile Christians and Jews together. He wanted to bring them together. That was his heart. I got to bring these people together. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says, For he himself, speaking of Christ, is our peace, who has made both, speaking of Jew and Gentile, one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Listen, Jews and Gentiles, you believe in Jesus Christ, both are one in Christ. That wall, God is breaking it down, and we need to stop. We need to stop bringing division amongst ourselves. They continue to say to Paul in verse 25, But concerning the Gentiles, we... Concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided they should observe no such thing except that they should keep themselves from the things offered to idols for blood, 
from things strangled and from spiritual immortality. Now, immorality, I'm sorry. This here was a letter that they wrote. Remember when Paul and Barnabas were arguing with a couple of Judaizers? Judaizers, they found out that there were Gentile Christians uh, that just started Gentiles, you know, now being grafted in. So they go up there from Jerusalem and listen, you Gentiles gave your life to the Lord. Well, great. Well, that's great. Awesome. Guess what? If you gave your life to the Lord, you need a little surgery. So what do you mean? You got to get circumcised. Are you kidding me? I'm saved. I, Paul didn't tell me how to get circumcised. And Paul and Barnabas got upset. They started arguing with these Judaizers. They said, listen, what are you doing? Putting something, a stumbling block on these guys. They don't have to do that. They weren't Jews. And it's all pretty much a foreshadow of what Jesus was. The cutting of the foreskin is, is cutting of the heart. That's what that is. It's a spiritual symbol that we cut, we're cut by the heart. We're cutting out the flesh. And we're letting God, more spirit than the flesh, come in, the spirit of God. So this is a picture. And you remember that's what happened back, back in, um, uh, I believe, in chapter 13, I believe, 15. 15. Chapter 15. And so now, so they're telling Paul, say, listen, do this. But we know if anybody says it anything, just tell them what we, what we told the Gentiles. We, we told this to the Gentiles that, listen, they, they, weren't, you know, the, they, they weren't subject to being circumcised. But we did tell them this. You know, to abstain from things that were offered to idols, from blood, and things that strangle, um, uh, that things that are strangled and sexual uh, immorality. So these are the things they have to stay away from. Now, here goes Paul. They told Paul what to do. This was their counsel. Paul is in town now. He's in Jerusalem. And now in verse 26, it says, Then Paul took the men, and the next day, having been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification at which time an offering should be made for each one of them. So they went through all the uh, purification and all this. In verse 27, now when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him, they saw Paul in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him. These were the Jews who really hated Paul when Paul started sharing the gospel. When Paul went to Asia Minor, when Paul went to, to Galatia, when he went to Corinth and Athens, all these Jews that were from those er- that area, they came to Israel. Remember, this is the feast, the Pentecost, the Passover. Oh, they're coming in for the feast. And they remembered Paul and said, there's Paul. That's the man that's preaching against our people and telling everyone not to be circumcised. So they see Paul. He's a familiar face. And so Jews from everywhere, because remember, where did Paul go first? Every city and every village and every town that he went first, where did he go? The synagogue. So he had a lot of enemies at the synagogue. So he hit the Jews. He went to the Jews first to let them know, hey, listen, you've been waiting for the Messiah for thousands and thousands of years. Guess what? He came. Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And then he went to the Gentiles. That was Paul's ministry. The Bible is the central place for us to turn to as Christians for understanding and direction. While there are many wonderful books, websites, and resources to help churches with growth, the book of Acts is the foundation for biblical church growth. Join us as Eddie teaches through Acts verse by verse. To listen to this message in its entirety, simply log on to RunningTheRaceRadio.com. That's RunningTheRaceRadio.com. Although Running the Race is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. 
It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches the Word of God from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel of Milford. Maybe you're listening right now in Milford, Pennsylvania, and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. For more information, call us at 570-296-7367. That's 570-296-7367. Or log on to runningtheraceradio.com and click on Service Times. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero. Please join us next time for the next edition of Running the Race.